Welcome to the Fixed Medical Group Podcast. My name is Dr. Sam Wagg, and I'm joined by my co-host, Dr. Patrick Cucarola, and we are back to help people live happy, healthy lives. We want to continue our conversation from last week, which was detox. This week, we're going to dive into detoxing specifically from sugar. Pat, is, uh, is that a good idea for us to do? Yeah, it's a pretty big one, I would say. Uh, so sugar is one of the number one like inflammatory causers that are very common, especially in our more Americanized diet. We want to first go through uh, what's bad about that, what is negative about sugar, and why is it something that people should avoid? Just like that question I asked Patrick, I think it's kind of common knowledge, at least uh, if you had to say yes or no, is it bad? But we don't really know why or what does bad mean for us? What's it causing? So we want to dive into some of these things. Um, Patrick, in your definition or uh, how you think about it, what's, um, what's bad about sugar to you or what makes it bad? biggest thing it's not even the scientific part it's just it's everywhere so even if it's just barely bad it's constantly around us and it's constantly inflaming us and we can grab it over here it's in our drinks i mean there's even like waters that have sugar in them for some reason and so you're just constantly indulging in sugar so that little bad even though it's more than little bad just builds up and your body never gets a break the other part is just it's just inflammatory there's nothing good about it for our body it's not natural or any in any way and it just causes so many problems linked to every single disease you can think of you can find somehow that sugar is affecting it so why is it in our life right um and it really is in everything it's very common um, a couple of things that Pat said that I want to touch on is, uh, if you're thinking, um, cause Pat mentioned like regular sugar versus like, um, like a fruit juice or it being, um, a different type of sugar, right? There's a lot of different things that we'll see on a nutritional label. Um, it might say dried beet sugar. It might say cane sugar. It might say fruit sugar, kiwi, uh, it can be extracted from a lot of different things, but just understand that at the end of the day, that becomes glucose in your body, and that's how it's affecting us. So um, just keep that in mind as we go through this information because the source isn't so, it uh, doesn't matter quite as much. It's still creating that impact. So as Pat said, um, it creates inflammation. We talked about this a couple podcasts ago on nutrition about ultimately our body has three main sources of fuel. It can use our carbohydrates, which are that fast fuel that we want to burn when we're running, when we're doing our weightlifting, or you need energy quickly because it breaks down really fast, but it burns really fast. So it's like paper on the fire. Yeah, it's like, why is dessert so famous at the end of your dinner before you go into bed? You don't need that fast sugar. You're literally going to go to sleep. You don't <laughs> yeah. need to be awake and like energized. You're not burning any calories while you're just laying in bed watching Netflix and then falling asleep. Yeah, and we'll, we'll get into more of a how do you enjoy those things. Um, and then the other fuel sources are protein is used to rebuild our body. And then your fat is used for a lot of the processes inside of our body, um, like uh, the coating of our cells and also the things that go on inside of our brain. So I want to kind of put that out there first, that we need carbohydrates, but we don't need sugar, um, nowhere near the amount that we get. When we do, um, the reason I want to bring this up about the different sources is, yeah, fruit itself, like eating a whole fruit is different. But the way that impacts you, it still is impacting you and it affects your blood sugar. It just affects it different when we take it in in that method. So, yeah, there are sugars that occur naturally. But for the most part, we're talking about added sugar and eliminating that. So um, one thing that is definitely negative, and as Patrick said, it's in a lot of our foods. Well, a big part is soda. 
or liquid, like sugary beverages. And the reason that's so negative is you can take down so much more in that beverage. Think of just juicing, right? You can put um, quite a bit of fruit and get it into like a 12-ounce smoothie. And the amount of time it takes you to drink that, there's no way you could physically eat all those fruits in that given time. So simply on that perspective, you're taking something that caloric like density and changing it into like a kind of a, a molecule that's going to be received differently. And now you're just overloading your body. It's just like, um, like Patrick's capable of eating a breakfast, lunch, and a dinner. But if I served him all those meals in a 10 minute period, it's like, he's not capable of that. And that would totally change how he feels if you had that big intake. So this is where sugar is so negative. Um, an average can of soda has about 52 grams. That's crazy. That's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> that is, uh, it equates to about 10% of your caloric intake for a day. Yeah, if you just looked at 52 grams of sugar just on a plate, you would just be like, ugh, that's a lot. But then you look at a can of soda, you're like, oh, I could put down three of those. Yeah, and uh, a lot faster, easier to do that than it is to sit and eat. Uh, so I want to talk about some of the other things that are really negative. Uh, one of them hormonally that people don't think about as much, but when we eat sugar, it actually decreases the release of a hormone that's called leptin. And what that does is it kind of signals to our body that we're full. So if you have that soda and that sugar is kind of signaling that, you can see how now that soda kind of leads to you eating more. And uh, these sugary beverages, like all your fast food chains, it's like, well, number one, they make a lot of money off those beverages with the markups, but it's a great way to entice those people to eat a lot more um, as they add that. Yeah. So people that like to, you know, if they aren't that hungry, like I know around like Thanksgiving, there's so many different treats. Some people start nibbling on some of those sweets and then all of a sudden they're like, oh, wow, I'm actually could take down a full meal. It's because they're stimulating their body to actually feel hungry instead of that satiety, that feeling full feeling. Right. So we create kind of a dysregulation between those hormones. The other thing, um, like Pat said, you take down that little bit of sugar or you're like nibbling. So say you're at like a Christmas party and you have, they put out a plate of cookies and you have like one cookie. Well, now um, when we kind of dysregulate that leptin response, you have a little bit of sugar. Like we said, that's a fast burning fuel. So it's that little bit of paper on the fire burns up really quick. Now your body's like, Hey, more paper that burned out. And you start like eating, 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 eating. And over time, this is how we can take down so much more calorically. Mm -hmm. And then it goes back to like breakfast. A lot of breakfast foods are just sugar laden. Your cereals, your pancakes with syrup, all these crepes and everything. So the first meal of the day, you're now messing with your hormones and that leptin. And so now you had breakfast. You're like, all right, I'm full. But an hour later, like, hmm, I could have lunch now. Your body's in that dysregulation that you're talking about. So you just want more, 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 and it just builds. It's a gateway drug. Right. right? Yeah, it is. Um, so we've talked about the speed. It's negative when we do these um, beverage or getting sugar in beverages because you get it too fast. Well, what we were just saying with that sugar example or the cookie example is when you do that, yeah, your body wants more fuel, but you're not going out and running or burning this off. So we reach our capacity. I don't remember this off the top of my head, but how many grams we can store in our liver and all your muscles. Um, once you hit that capacity of storage, now it has to be stored as fat. And there's an example of kind of a, imagine like a train going down the track and you have that guy in the front pumping in the coal to keep the train going. 
But now imagine they're going at the same speed and you're just getting more and more coal. They're like, we got a delivery. We got a delivery. And that guy's like, I cannot put any more coal in this fire any faster. Um, and this is ultimately what leads to weight gain is that coal gets stored. Basically, uh, imagine that train had a one train itself that just was storage, right? And that would continue to grow and grow and grow with stored energy because that's all that fat is. And as we said in our nutrition talk, um, it's just about getting into the right phase to burn what we have and burn that stored fuel. Yeah. I always use the analogy of a bank account, like storing up your bank account and all of a sudden that bank can't take some more. So now you need to add more fat or another bank and it just grows from there. And that's good in real life to have multiple bank accounts that are full. But and when it comes to our obesity epidemic, that's not a good thing. You don't want to keep adding to it. Yeah. So um, we need to learn how to access that stored fuel, but also not to continually just like overload, overload, overload. Um, I want to talk about some cosmetic things that aren't weight gain. So Patrick, let's go back. We're already just talking about hormones. So we talked about leptin in regards to like satiety or feeling full, but the other one is insulin. Mm -hmm. Diabetes is just prevalent running wild right now. And you mentioned the American diet. Well, it's not just America. We have (laughs) taken over like Napoleon or just America all over. And now China is beating us and the prevalence of diabetes right now. We are taking over the world with this, this sugar intake sweets are going around and a lot of it has to do with it, how your body responds with insulin. We have these insulin spikes that are trying to keep it more level and that's mm-hmm. adding more to that stored fat that you kind of talked about. So it's not just leptin, it's messes with your testosterone and messes with your insulin. And we have all these problems that build from it. Yeah. And we're going to talk more about, um, exactly what Pat's saying, this, your blood sugar, like these spikes. And this is ultimately what we want to try to reduce, um, is the impact we have on our blood sugar. Because the more that goes up and down, the worse we're going to be in a health perspective. The more that stays kind of baseline, the more metabolically flexible we are, meaning uh, we can get our body to burn fat, we can get it to use sugars, and actually use the fuel sources that we want to. So by the end of this, you guys will, um, everyone, guys and girls, will have a good understanding of how we can implement some of these things to do that. Um, What I wanted to ask about or talk about was, oftentimes we think about sugar, we think about getting fat. And about weight gain. But let's talk about how this can actually change the composition like of our skin as far as how we look from an aging perspective, but also with acne. Um, Pat does a lot of the regenerative medicine in our office and sugar impacts your collagen. And can you explain how if you don't have good collagen, you're going to look a lot older than you actually are when it comes to wrinkles. And then I can talk a little about the acne as well. Yeah, essentially collagen is what a lot of our body is made of, your tendons and everything. But specifically when we're talking about aesthetics, the skin creates that kind of stretching flexibility instead of that kind of rigid and we could just call it like old person that's been laying in the sun just looks dried up like a baseball mitt yeah their <laughs> collagen is destroyed so you have all these different products that you can you know oh drink this collagen broth you know there's collagen pills Proteins, now and every yeah. all these different things that's trying to restore that but if you hit it on the other end and you're not destroying your collagen <laughs> Instead of trying to kind of fix the problem, just avoiding the problem. And sugar does exactly that. It just degrades. It's inflammation where your body's just breaking down, including the collagen. You look older. Don't care who you are. We all want to feel, look younger and have that smooth skin. But we're continuing to indulge on that. And it affects you aesthetically in terms of your belly, your hip weight, but also how your skin looks. Right. It's a... Uh, we always talk about the proteins. It's a building block. It's what you're made of. And when we're having a lot of sugar, it's affecting that collagen. It's not so elastic. 
like Patrick is saying. It's more of that rigid feel. So, so I'm going to fill in those deep wrinkles that you have. Um, it's going to really accelerate that aging process. So there's been a lot of things, not just what we look like from our skin, but our actual, what they call cellular aging. Um, can you talk a little bit about that when the telomere length and yeah. what that is? <laughs> yeah, telomere is essentially it's, I guess, a cellular way to measure out how old you are. Mm-hmm. So you can be 80 years old, but if your telomere length is really short, you're essentially 100. You could be 20 years old and you could be actually an 80-year-old based on that measurement. So, But on the reverse side of things, you could be, we'll just keep throwing out random numbers, but you could be six years old, but tel- telomere length or your biological aging could be in the 30s based on that how you're taking care of yourself yeah so essentially does your external hardware the amount of time you've been on this earth match up with how you've internally aged Mm -hmm. like are your cells that same age yeah and uh, a way we can dictate this is what pat said that telomere length um what they've seen is people with these high sugar intakes they've actually have a decrease that their cellular age is very increased yeah, because we all love to, I guess, if someone saw you, you're like, oh, wow, you're looking 20 years old. Well, thank you. Internally, you want to look 20 years old as well. Aging's not fun, but you can age well and uh, live that help happy life. Totally. Um, I f- there was this one study I found I thought was kind of interesting. They followed 8,000 people for 20 years, um, and they had one, they had the group eat, or half of the group had 67 grams of sugar, um, daily. And what they found is those people had a 23% increase in depression. So this affects our mood, how we look, our actual aging inside and out, and then how we act like feel, I'm going to say is different than mood. Um, you know, when you're moving around in your body, what does it feel like if you're all achy and stiff? But I thought that was really interesting of showing um, something people don't think about so much because on the other end, think about food and emotions all the time when we're not feeling good and it's like oh i've earned this and it's the kind of classic netflix and ice cream or cookies or you know people reach for those desserts when they're not feeling good but what the research shows is really on the back end it's just feeding into this negative feedback loop you know it's that quick burst you know like sugar it makes you feel good quick it gives you a little quick boost of energy but it's really fleeting it drops you quick too yeah it's cocaine so say, oh, want me to continue? No, <laughs> sure. um, no, it's those fast little bursts of energy, but your body eventually crashes. And same thing. That's why cocaine's so addictive, heroin's so addictive. It's these quick bursts, but it dies off quickly, and your body urges for more. Mm-hmm. And you just keep giving it. Now, when you actually take it away, you can almost have like withdrawal symptoms, like we hear about with someone you know that's an alcoholic or yeah. a cocaine addict, and you take that away body goes through those symptoms because it's truly addictive to sugar and so yeah. no one thinks about cocaine or heroin or alcohol like in a healthy way but some people just kind of blow by like sugar like oh it's not that big a deal right we're really um we're going to talk about alcohol next week and i have some examples of just all the other negative habits that it usually tends to create for us that we don't in the moment think about as because of alcohol I'm doing X, Y, Z, but it's really easy when we paint this picture of all the other health things that are happening. Um, you know, with, with sugar, that's a great way to put it. It is this immediate response because both sugar and alcohol, they can make us feel better in the moment, but ultimately it's putting us further away from the goal that we're probably chasing that would create that like long lasting feeling good. But 
it also creates this negative feedback loop where you're wanting that thing again. It's like, whoa, I deserve this. I earned this because you remember last time you did it, you felt good. And our body wants us to feel good. So it leads back to those things. It just doesn't always sort out what's a detriment long-term and what isn't. Um, well, I want to get into some of the strategies that we can use to um, mitigate this. Uh, of course, um, going cold turkey is our number one for most things. When we say it's bad, we don't want to do it. But we totally understand, just like Patrick said in the very beginning, sugar's everywhere. And having a zero sugar life, it's pretty hard. Uh, to be honest, I try to eat almost no sugar, and it's difficult, even though I'm looking at the labels all the time. But um, to completely avoid it in our life is not that easy. And I don't want people to never have whole fruits or anything like that either. So it's not that we're trying to completely eliminate, but we want to understand what it's creating uh, response-wise in our body and how we can be mindful of this. Yeah. It's just about like when you are thinking about trying to get rid of it completely, it's being aware of it. You are checking labels, not obsessing about it unless we really need to go through a big sugar detox. But in your general life that you're going to carry forward, it's just being aware of how much you're intaking. So you're looking at labels like even ketchup. There's so many added sugars to ketchup, those simple things that you don't think about. So if you're aware of those, you can be in more control. And it's not, I guess, taking too much from your life. It's actually adding to it. And you can still enjoy it without being through this like huge like detox kind of program. Exactly. First step is just recognition. We talked about this with nutrition. We gave out a couple tips. And we said, start by going no sugar. And we need to start to build that habit. Look at the label. Look at the sugars. And then see underneath added sugars. Because if there are some sugar on there, but then the added sugar is zero. Uh, I'll give you an example, which is a kombucha. There's a brand GTs. If you look at the label, you'll see that it says 16 grams of sugar. But that if you look right underneath that where it says total added sugar, it's zero. If you go down in the ingredients, you'll see that the sugar is just from kiwi juice. So that's a lot different than uh, another kombucha brand itself could be 16 grams. I could look at the added sugar and I could say 16 grams. And then I could go down and see that it's cane sugar. Uh, where I don't really want that. Um, I'm okay with that fruit juice source. But being aware of where is this coming from. So the first thing we want to do, look at labels. We're going for zero sugar. But if there are you know, a small amount of grams, I'm okay with that sometimes. Um, you know, I think for most people, uh, we tell our clients we want to be 25 grams or less in the day. Because that allows people to take in some fruits as well, but be mindful of which ones have a high fructose content and which ones are a little bit lower. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it gives people a little, like, some a kind of a goal, and some days they're going to be a little bit over it, hopefully not all the time, but it's something to shoot for, so you're not just mindlessly going about it. I'm like, I think I'm doing good, but if you're really kind of paying attention, right. you're going to see results, and then that makes it even fun to actually do. Like, oh, look at me. <laughs> look, at, look, and look at this. If you're uh, sitting there listening to us, and you're like, oh, something else I need to count Because I would be the first to say I'm not an advocate of counting calories or having people really try to track those things. But there's items to be mindful with each intake. I'm not asking you to journal it, but we have a simple chart. It'll show you where uh, how much fructose different fruits have. And by looking at that, you'll probably easily pick out the five fruits that you eat. And then it gives you a good ballpark of like, okay, if I have a handful of blueberries, if I have this, if I have this, puts me right around 25. That's usually what I take in. That's fine. Unless you have a big fluctuation from that, you don't need to recalculate anything. But that gives you a good idea. Yeah. It's just kind of that general goal where you don't have mm-hmm. to hit it right on the dot. I'm like, oh, shoot, I'm at 24.5. No. <laughs> right. Just going about it and you're just aware of it is the biggest thing. Being mindful and aware of your situation. Um, 
And by looking at those labels, you might find out something where it's like, oh, man, I thought this was like a good smoothie I was getting. You're like, holy shit, (laughs) this is worse than a soda, you know, 60 grams of sugar. And that can definitely happen. So that's the first part is looking at our labels and determining what what's in it. Right. We got to know the second one. And this is from a book. It's called Glucose Revolution. Um, And this is really uh, these next tips that we're going to give are a lot about balancing your blood sugar or trying to mitigate the spike that happens because ultimately that's the big negative in our health is when we have a huge spike and then it drops. Anybody that's diabetic totally understand, um, you know, trying to time out these spikes, rebounds and like balance your insulin. uh, If you're type one, they know that that is a definitely a challenge and you're trying to avoid what you feel like on those peaks and valleys. So these tips are to help mitigate that. The first one is uh, there's an order that we can eat our foods in that's more beneficial to us. So when we eat our foods, um, as we've talked about sugar this whole time, glucose, that immediately impacts our blood sugar. Uh, Those are really small molecules when they get broken down. So they can move around really fast in our system. On the other end of that spectrum are your um, veggies and like your fiber. That gets broken down very slow. So when we eat, we want to have our veggies and our fiber first, our protein and our fat second, and then our carbs last. So it might sound a little unorthodox, but it's not asking you to eat anything different. But uh, if I went out and had an Italian dinner and my first off, if there's bread on the table, I'm going to choose just not to eat it in the beginning. But then when the entree comes out, uh, let's pretend I just got pasta and broccoli. I'm going to eat the broccoli first. And then after, um, say there's a protein in it as well. It's like pasta and chicken, pasta or steak, whatever. Um, I would eat the broccoli first and then we can have a couple bites of the chicken or the steak maybe by itself and then just eat the meal as it is. Have your pasta and then at the end, add some butter to the bread, have the bread. Having that same exact meal but doing it in that order is going to vastly change how much of an impact that is on my blood sugar versus having the bread right when it came out because what's going to happen? I mean, that bread is like two or three bites. So you're going to have a little bit and then before your food even comes out, you're like, man, I'm even hungrier than when we sat down. It's like you're already experienced that spike. So just by changing that order, a little bit of patience makes a huge difference. And when you think about it, going back to a satiety kind of thing, um, when you're eating those those carbs or those sugars in the beginning, you're now going to want more and more and more. So now even if you eat all your broccoli, you're still hungry and building up. So it's not just the, and I mean, you're, we're focusing on the insulin spikes right now. Also, just how much calories you are going to overall intake when you do it in that reverse order than what you just said. Right. When you're having your high fibers, those are more satiating. You're filling yourself up in broccoli. It's going to, I guess, kind of build up. Even Mm -hmm. if you just think mechanically in your stomach. Yeah. You're starting to get full just that way. So now when you're moving through that, you're not at the end of the meal like, oh, I'm still hungry. It's a different way that your body's going to, I guess, It's just, uh, yeah, that composition instead of those calories by itself. Um, you can think about this example like two different ways, but like Pat said, the mechanically almost that broccoli is like filling up, right? When you eat the carbohydrates, regardless of what it is, once it breaks down, carbs are really like a small molecule in comparison. So imagine a funnel and at the bottom is like your stomach and we're just dropping stuff in. Well, if we drop in those big pieces first, like put in the fiber, that's big. It's like creating a base layer and then your protein and fat, another base layer. And now those small pieces, when you go to sprinkle, some of it makes it through, but not near as much. So it's not affecting your blood glucose the same way, even though you're taking in the same nutrition. Um, 
So there's like a lot of little hacks for that too. Uh, I really recommend uh, that Glucose Revolution. It's a great book. There's an Instagram account. It's called The Glucose Goddess. There's a lot of these little tips um, that even some of the other sugar ones that we've shared. And you'll get to also see some good like graphic representations of the differences in food. But even an example uh, they use a lot is uh, eating like a tuna fish sandwich. The difference of deconstructing it. So taking it apart, eating the lettuce first, having the actual tuna salad, and then eating your pieces of bread. Well, that sounds different, but if that made you lose you know, 10, 15 pounds at the end of the year, but eating the same food but changing the order, it's really powerful. So the other one um, that's really, really easy is using apple cider vinegar. This is one uh, we coach all of our clients as they go through our restart program. We call it our cranberry cocktail, but it's cranberry juice, a little apple cider vinegar, and what this does is it really reduces the impact of any food coming in on the blood sugar. Um, easy to do. Just a tablespoon with eight ounces of water. Pretty simple. Fun tip. Um, don't take it like a shot. I try to do that a few times, <laughs> you know, just in a crunch in the morning. I'm like, okay, got to do this. And uh, it, it is very vinegary and it can burn a little bit. So I definitely use water. It's uh, <laughs> the biggest tip you can take away for today. Yeah, uh-huh. it'll get you. Um, <laughs> even re- Some people even recommend using a straw so it's not harsh like on your teeth all the time um there is a difference from that like apple cider vinegar something more acidic than um oh, just had the tip of my tongue the other type of vinegar it'll come back to me <laughs> anyways um once the show's over it'll yeah, be, yeah show's over me and pal will talk about it um apple cider vinegar though one to two tablespoons just with eight ounces of water um you can just do it in the morning or have it before you eat so if you know uh, maybe you're going out to a meal it's a big italian dinner and you don't want to do the hap- the tip I said, right, of the order. Well, have your apple cider vinegar before you go out. Or before you leave your house, have some greens. Make a little salad at your house and use a vinaigrette dressing. Make some broccoli. It doesn't have to be a fill-you-up meal, but have some of those greens first so that it's already, you have that base layer. And now whatever carbohydrates you take in, it's going to nowhere near be the effect that it was. 100%. Um, last tip we want to talk about is actually exercise. Shocker that there's one when it comes to changing weight. Dun, dun, dun. No exercise, really? It's good for <laughs> really? you and it helps? Um, this one's pretty cool. So when we um, eat, I want you to do some exercise after. This can be either 10 minutes of activity. So either 10 minutes of walking or roughly uh, you can do about 30 squats. So air squats, you can do like push-ups against the wall, just some activity. And ultimately, when we have that big blood sugar spike, and we're going back to our train example of the guy shoveling the coal, we're bringing that more energy. Either we can store it or we can burn it. And when you have a meal, within 90 minutes of that meal, because that's about when we get our peak uh, or the peak of the spike, if you're to exercise, that's telling your body that, hey, we're going to use this energy. And it actually turns up your body's ability to utilize it. So energy in our body is called ATP. Imagine in that, um, the train, it's like they just went in there and they grew that fire a little bit or they notched it up. So we're able to get more coal on the fire and burn it more efficiently. So right after we eat, um, you know, when, when possible, going for the walk for 10 minutes, but if not 30 minute, 30 air squats or just doing something to move your body. Yeah. And then, so not only does that help just with the insulin spike, but also you're ramping up your metabolism just by getting moving. So over the long term, over the next few hours, that's also continuing to burn those calories that you just in, intake, I guess, input into your body. Yeah. And you get so, a, 
Yeah, there's plenty. I mean, we can go down the line for different reasons why exercise is good for you. But yeah, specifically just when it comes to the insulin spike, which is a hormone, all the other hormones that are going to affect your metabolism and just makes it a better, it's going to be a smoother ride afterwards. Um, Something I was going to say. Another tip of the tongue. I I forgot. Yeah, tip of the tongue. Man, a lot of them live in there. (laughs) Anyways, um, so let's summarize really quick. Sugar is (laughs) bad. Yeah, pretty much that's a summary. Uh, like we talked about in nutrition, anything that creates inflammation is really bad. All the um, primary causes of death in our country, the top ones, the root cause is all inflammation. So removing sugar is one way that we can make a really, really big impact. The couple things that we went through as far as tips, we're changing the order that you eat your food. So having your fiber first and your veggies, your protein and fat, and then your carbohydrates last. Apple cider vinegar before you eat. Um, you can do that up to three times a day, but just before your meals, a tablespoon or two, eight ounces of water. And then the last thing we said was exercising after you eat, uh, at least within 90 minutes. It can be as soon as you put down your fork or it can be you know, within that 90 minute period, whether that's a walk outside or just doing some activity. That's how we can get that energy to actually be mobilized, to be used by your muscles and to turn up your ability to use it. And like Pat was saying, we get an awesome metabolic effect if we continue to burn more fat, um, after that as well. Yeah, and then the other bonus is because you don't get that drastic insulin spike up and then down, you don't feel down. So if you're having, you know, after lunch, you know, before you go back to work and you go for that little walk, you're not getting those afternoon like, oh man, I am dead. How am I going to be productive? I just want to nap. So you're going to be more productive. Your boss is going to be happy, by the way, too. (laughs) Yeah, it definitely uh, helps stave off that carb crash and you're really going to feel like you can actually take in um, maybe more of these meals that you like to have and find a way to do it where you can utilize the energy and not feel so run down. So that's what we got for you for today for sugar. Next week, uh, we are going to be talking about detoxing from alcohol and giving you some tips there. And we'll get into um, a lot of the, the reasons why you should consider doing it. Uh, Pat, you have anything to add for today's show? No, not really. Just stay away from sugar. Be aware of it and keep moving for that happy, healthy life. Yeah. If you want a sweet life, kick the sugar. We're looking forward to talking to you next time. This is the Fixed Medical Group podcast, and we will be back next week to keep helping you live those happy, healthy lives.